Here's what I would say to you in terms of learning from God's economy versus the worldly economy is that debt for debt's sake is a really bad idea and debt on debt on debt on debt on debt on debt is a really bad idea. So if you're going to use debt to grow, use it in small sprints and then have a period of time where you pay it down and then do small sprints and have a period of time when you pay it down. Well, guys, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, on this particular episode, I want to talk to you about recession and kind of look at, are we heading into a recession? An interest rate hike will almost certainly occur. The short answer is we're in for some more trouble. That they're treading along to try and avoid falling in the recession mm. while trying to raise interest rates to, to, to quell the inflation. Are we going to get a recession this year? It's real topical with what's going on around the world right now, and we're going to address it from a kingdom perspective. But before we do, I just want to give a shout out to an event coming up that you may want to attend. Each year, I run an event called the Kingdom Business Summit. And this year, it's two and a half days. I've got a great lineup of speakers. I've got Ed Silvoso, who's like the father of the marketplace movement. Uh, I've got Duncan Armstrong, who's an Olympic gold medalist, talking about mindset and disciplines. Uh, and then I'll be doing a lot of the talking around the scaling up of the business. And then I've got a couple of local entrepreneurs, Ash and Esther, who have built phenomenal businesses, who will be coming to tell their stories. Uh, you can attend in person or on live stream. So no matter where you are in the world, we've got you covered. But it'll be a life-changing event, right? There'll be a time for networking. There'll be a time for prayer. We're going to have church together. And a whole lot of business will get done. So to find out more, go to kingdombusiness.global. Get your tickets early because they will sell out. Um, and, uh, and it's going to be a phenomenal two days, two and a half days where I just get to invest in you guys. Um, and and you know, it'll set you up for the best year of your life. So make sure you check that out. All right, this thing about recession. Um, I wanted to cover it because I'm getting calls, emails, DMs, you know, a ton of questions from our clients in our private trainings. And it's, you know, obviously the, the media are having a field day with it, right? They, they can't scare us with COVID cases anymore. So they're trying to scare us with an economy. So I kind of want to talk into it, um, a bit of experience about it. What is it? And then um, I'm, I'm going to go, okay, what is recession? And then I'm going to look at what, is the ki what does the kingdom say? Like, what does the Bible say? What's the kingdom way of handling a recession? And then I'm going to get to some really, really, really practical business things, five of them that you can do uh, regardless of recession, right? So make sure you stick around. I'm going to try and keep it pacey, right? So that you can get to the juice at the end as fast as possible. You know, like we're sitting here today. Um, what are we like this? The 16th uh, of June, 2022. Um, and we've just seen a huge sell-off of the US market down about 20%. Um, half of that here in Australia, um, a bit more than that over in, in, in Europe and UK. And so that's a huge deal, right? That's a huge deal. That's, that's, that's quite a shock to the system. Um, it was probably always coming, but it's, it's still quite a shock to the system. I know in the US that, 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 that kind of extreme downturn, you know, it's probably 70 years since we've had something like that. So, so it's, it, it's quite a big deal. And then of course, we, you know, we, we have this strange environment that we're in right now where inflation is incredibly high. House prices are incredibly high, but cooling. Um, you got crypto falling away, which I find really interesting because it just proves that it's not a safe haven. You know, people like crypto when everything else is going okay, and uh, and then the minute like like traditional money uh, falls over, everyone like runs back to traditional money and lets crypto fall over. So um, that's because it's still immature, I guess, in its journey. 
you know, we've got this massive printing of cash that's happened over the last two years. Um, you know, the, the stats are ridiculously high on that. Like as much as 40% of the, the cash uh, in the US was printed in the last two and a bit years. Um, it's about half that in Australia. So this period of inflation that we're in is going to be around for quite some time. Um, it does run the risk of having a complete reversal um, and then and then crashing an economy for sure. Um, but I guess there's a couple of things like you know the unemployment is a is a is a real issue or employment is a real issue. <laughs> so so here's how I look at recession. You know, every country has a kind of different definition of recession. So here in Australia, you have to have three consecutive quarters of negative growth three consecutive quarters of negative growth, and that's a recession. In America, it's two quarters. Uh, other parts of the world have slightly different criteria. And so that's a pretty harsh criteria. Like, okay, so in Australia, go back to the GFC, 2008 to, 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 to 11 to 12, we never actually had a recession here because we never had three consecutive. We would have two we'd have two months of down and then one month of up and then one month of down and one up and, and so forth. So we never actually quite went into recession, although it was a tough time. But I guess you know the thing that we've got to look at is is what is what makes up the economy, and there's lots of little things, there's lots of levers, and the economy is far more robust than I think a lot of people give it credit for. But there are elements, there are major pillars of the economy. One of them is obviously housing, right? So you've got that the housing market, um, which obviously has been through a massive period of boom, uh, you know, over the last two years, COVID, everyone. The, the governments flushed our economies with cash. Everyone thought that they could buy a massive house and interest rates were one point in Australia, 1.6 to 1.9% less in other parts of the world. So people could buy, borrow a massive amount with big deposits and a low interest rate and think that it was going to last forever. But so housing is one pillar and we're starting to see that pair back. Um, you know, it, and, and it's always the upper, uh, the upper section of the market that feels the, the retraction. The bottom end of the market never goes down. Um, and when I say never goes down, um, you know, if there's a huge oversupply of property, then it can go down. In Australia, we've never seen it go down. In the US, we did for a very short period of time because there was a huge oversupply. But but the top of the market is where the pressure comes. So the bottom of the market might lose a few percent, but the top of the market could lose 50% of their value, right? Because there are less people wanting to spend that big amount of money. But housing's one pillar. The stock market is another one. And like we just said, we've just seen a huge sell-off of the stock market. Then there's the banks. They're their own kind of pillar inside the economy. And they're interesting um, because they have, you know, it's all care and no responsibility for them. They lend and, and trade. And then when they get in trouble, they get bailed out. Like it's a phenomenal business for them. And then there's employment, which makes up another pillar. And those kind of four work incredibly well together. And they're pretty robust, right? But it's interesting because we've seen We've seen housing cool quite a lot, well, increase white hot and then cool a little bit. We've seen stocks rally incredibly well, um, even pre-COVID, they were on a, on a crazy run and, and then that was exasperated. And they're starting to pair back, but, but banks are still financially strong and employment is, you know, unemployment is incredibly low. If we go back in history to look at recessions, what happened was those pillars were affected and then the confidence dropped. And so there was a run on the banks, right? And you've probably seen footage of, you know, 1920 or 1950 or, you know, those periods of time where there's old footage of, you know, mostly men in gray suits racing to the bank to try and get their money out and the banks shut the doors and say there's no more. And so now people are freaking out because they can't. And so that crashes the economy.
it's interesting because what we've seen is we've seen we've seen the stock market drop, we've seen houses start to drop, but because unemployment is is really really strong and the banks are still profitable, the confidence is still there at this stage. The confidence in the economy is still there. If we were to start to see a whole bunch of those crumble, then everyone freaks out. They try and get the money out of the banks. When the banks become illiquid, that's when we have a huge amount of problems in our economy. At the moment, the banks are still liquid, so we're fine. Okay. And, 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 a, and it's interesting how much better we're getting at this because in 2008, the banks basically said you couldn't have your money, but they had no money to give out. And so everyone just kind of got on with it, which is why it took four years for that one to kind of flush through before any kind of growth again. So here we're finding ourselves today in a very different uh, situation because uh, stocks down, houses down, banks are good and employment's good. Cash on hand is very high for the average household. And so the confidence is still there. So here's what I think is going to happen with my, uh, uh, like some sort of prophetic crystal ball slash common sense slash read the indicators slash study history, right? That's kind of putting it all out together. I kind of go, okay, well, if the stock market can have that sort of correction, if housing can have that sort of correction, but the banks are still good and there's and the confidence is still there, I feel like apart from a few bumps in the road, we're going to be okay. We're going to be okay because um, because the shock has kind of hit the system, and it didn't reduce the confidence for everyone to race to the bank to to want to get their money out, right? So, so I kind of feel like there may be a, a more downward pressure on the economy, but it will be incremental now because the big shocks already happened, and and so the incremental one can be managed. That's kind of how I feel. So, sure, there might be pockets of the world that are over leveraged as a nation and now can't pay. Well, they're probably all over leveraged, but some more than others. And that will mean that they, you know, they go through a period where they really struggle. But for the most part, I think we're going to, we're going to be okay. There's a slim chance that we go into recession. Um, and that will be triggered by bad policy from here. Oh, hey. I hope you're enjoying this week's episode. Listen, I'm just here training a group here in this room, but I need you to subscribe to my channel. Guys, do you think they should subscribe to the channel? Yeah! Guys, please, subscribe. Just yesterday in Australia, uh, we had our, one of our government bodies declare everybody, uh, the minimum wage goes up 5.2%, right? Which is, which is a huge jump. And you can't really attract talent in Australia on minimum wage anyway. So that wouldn't affect a huge amount of people, but the people that are like on casual employees on, on minimum wage kind of jobs, <clears throat> that's gonna see, not only people have got more money, so it'll fuel inflation, but you might see some businesses go under uh, at that point because through COVID, they've just been hanging on, they're just getting back on their feet and now their wages bill has jumped 5%. So that could be enough to, to put some to the wall. Bad, real bad policy in my opinion. Um, and I think if you, I think it would make so much more sense to if you if you're going to sting businesses with a 5.2% wage increase on their wages bill then you've got to give them a tax break and run a more efficient government otherwise you're just going to milk the milk the cow too much. So so confidence is still high. Here's where I get to with all of that. I get to all of that and I go this worldly economy is a house of cards. If you read Revelation you find out that all falls over one day. It's a house of cards. Uh, it's stacked up. It's stacked up the wrong way. Um, here's good news for you and I, as as kingdom people. That worldly economy, that's not my economy. 
that is not my economy. The one that I just outlaid, sure, sure, I'm, I'm in the world. I'm not of the world, right? That's not my economy. And this is really good news for you and I. It's really good news that that's not my economy. Sure, I'm in it. Sure, I get some effects of it, but actually that's not my economy. And I want to go through some scripture now and make a case around why that that's why this worldly economy is not the economy that will be, you know, the barometer of your success and failure. It's really good news that this economy is not your economy and that this economy is not my economy. We have a different economy and I want to explore that with you. Um, I just grabbed a few random scriptures just for fun so that we can run through these. Just to kind of build a case for you that that as a kingdom entrepreneur, you have access to an economy that isn't the worldly economy. That means that actually, regardless of what happens here on earth, we can prosper in season and out of season. Watch this. One of my favorite scriptures of all time. Joshua 1.8 says this. This book of the law, right? So that's obviously the first five books of the Bible, given the time that it was given. But we don't throw out the Old Testament just because we're in 2022. There, you know, it reveals what's coming. And so there's so much wisdom here. It says this, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that's written in it. But then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. It doesn't say... It doesn't say this book of the law, don't let it depart from your mouth, that you observe everything in it. And then if you get the right kind of government at the time, then, then you will have good success. It doesn't say that. It actually puts no caveat in it, except the only caveat here to you being prosperous and, and having success in everything you put your hand to is that you meditate day and night on the word. That's the only actual criteria in that scripture. It, there isn't another one. It doesn't meditate on the word plus, you know, have a you know, have a, have a democratic government, have a liberal government, have a whatever, whatever in your country. It doesn't say that. Okay, so, so all of those earthly systems, right, the two-party preferred system, it doesn't matter what side, Republican, Democratic, Australian, Labor, Liberal, whatever, Greens, whatever, like, like they're all, they're all failing when it comes to running an economy, you know, so but it doesn't say that you have to worry about those kind of things. It says, do not let the book of the law, you know, add, like, don't like, like, meditate on it day and night, speak it out all the time, and then you'll have good success, right? So that's cool. In Psalm 1, sorry, Psalm 3, I love this one, and you'll know this one too. And it's talking about the way of the righteous person. And it says, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth its fruit in its season, whose leaves shall not wither. Well, hang on a minute hang on a minute, and whatever he does will prosper. Uh, another version says, um, and will always bear fruit. Whatever he does shall prosper. So, so here's the thing that we've got to look at. We've got to look at what was the condition in scripture for us to be able to access that, right? And it was basically, it goes like, it's those who are committed to walking with the Lord. Blessed is man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, stand in the path of sinners, or sits with a scornful, but his delight is in the Lord. That's the caveat. If your delight is in the Lord, then you'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. You bring forth fruit in its season, whose leaf shall not wither. But another one says, not worried about drought and whoever and, and whatever they do shall prosper. So hang on a minute, hang on a minute. It doesn't say, it doesn't say here that you need to delight in the Lord plus also have, 
you know, a digital business and not an offline one so that you can prosper in 2022. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say that. It, there's, there's, there's no other rules here. All right, let's have a look at Jeremiah. Jeremiah 17, 7. I'm a big fan of this. Sounds a little bit the same. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose hope is in the Lord, for he shall be like a tree planted by the waters. Same, same. Which, um, which spreads its roots by the river and will not fear when the heat comes. It will not be anxious about a drought and it will never cease yielding fruit. Catch that. So the only criteria here to be able to have an environment where you're not anxious about anything and your leaf will always be green is that you trust in the Lord. So what have we got so far? Meditate on it, delight in the Lord, trust in the Lord. We're getting a picture here of how the kingdom economy works, okay? Those three things are the caveats so far to be able to access an economy that is not of this world. And then we have this beautiful one, Matthew 6, 26, and you'll know it. I've picked ones that you all know. Matthew 6, 26 says this, do not worry. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you eat, what you drink, what your body, what you put on, what your clothes are. Do not worry about food. Look at the birds of the air. They, they neither sow nor reap nor gather in barns and the heavenly father feeds them. That's part of the economy. You know, and, and even as I'm reading you those, I'm going back in my mind. And I'm like, yes, in Deuteronomy, the promise is you'll have houses you didn't build. You'll have wells you didn't dig. You'll have businesses you didn't create. It's a promise, right? See, see, that's the thing. And that's the beauty of what I'm trying to get across to you is that I'm not part of the worldly economy. That's not my economy. That's not my economy. I'm actually able to prosper regardless of what happens in the earthly economy because I'm part of an economy that is a higher economy than the worldly economy. This is good news. We can learn a lot from scripture, right? You go back to Leviticus and it teaches us how to trade, right? And it basically says, and, and most of you would have studied this over the years, but it talks about the Jubilee cycle. And I really like it because although, you know, it's amazing, God give. Um, you know, God gave these people this model of how to do life and they did not stick to it. <clears throat> I, think, I think one or two generations may have stuck to the model that God gave in terms of trading and then never again. But he said, like, this is how you'll do it. Like trade in seven-year cycles, right? So, so this is the model that God gave us, trade in seven-year cycles and do business and, and borrow from each other. And, but at the end of seven years, you need to reset the debt clock and start again. So so basically, the way it would work is if I wanted to grow my business, agriculture business, and you had some spare land, I would come to you and I'd say, hey, um, I want to borrow your land and I'll produce my crops on your land. And the way that you charged me for it was how many years were left before the seven years rolls around. So, so if there were more years before the seven years, I would pay a higher price than if there was one year before the seven years, because on year seven, the instructions were give your hired hands back, give the land back to its rightful owner and start again. And then the instruction was do that seven lots of seven, so 49, and on the 50th year, uh, basically have a massive party and eat down all your stored grain, right? So, so every seven years, right, you kind of reset the debt clock. But on the 50th year, right, you've had a huge amount of prosperity, but, but you can't produce on the 50th year or the seventh you've got to let all of your stocks go down to probably zero, which means you need to trust in the Lord that year one of the next cycle is going to be a good crop. Phenomenal collaboration, right, between man and God. These are all really, really important things for us to understand because although we don't have to trade in seven-year cycles, we can take that concept of how to not, how to kind of be part of God's economy and not the worldly economy, right? 
So, so here's what I would say to you, making that 2022 ready, it's okay to borrow money. It's okay to use debt. It's okay to, you know, trade in that way if, you know, if you're scaling up a business, but you can't be in debt forever. And there needs to be seasons where you do accrue, but there needs to be seasons where you get out of debt. And I think that's the thing that a lot of people forget is because they use a little bit of debt, they get some level of prosperity, and then they're like, mm, I'll get more debt. And then they get another level of prosperity, and then they're like, well, this is a good model, it's working, I'll get more debt, and then a whole thing, house of cards, and you end up having absolutely nothing or probably having negative equity, right, from all of the, you know, when, when, when that leverage swings against you, it's all over. So God's model is, sure, trade, but keep short accounts. Keep short accounts. Here's what I would say to you in terms of learning from God's economy versus the worldly economy, is that debt for debt's sake is a really bad idea, and debt on debt on debt on debt on debt on debt is a really bad idea. So if you're going to use debt to grow, use it in small sprints and then have a period of time where you pay it down and then do small sprints and have a period of time when you pay it down. Because, because this economy, it's not my economy. I'm part of a different economy. Are you part of a different economy? Listen, if what I'm saying is popping for you right now, do me a favor. In the comments below, I want you to type there, not my economy. I want you to start to get that inside of you. So when you when you hear the news, when you see the stock price, when you find out what's happened to the price of gold today and oil, it's not my economy. That's not my economy. I'm part of a different economy. My kingdom is not of this world, my Jesus said. And so, and so that's how we need to view this. All right, five quick things that you can do regardless of what happens in the economy. See, the thing for me is I, I make it out like we, you know, we may or may not have a recession. I actually couldn't care less. That's, that's like the, the dead set honest version for me because there are opportunities in both. Obviously, when times are good, you buy assets, you invest, the value of those goes up, you know, whatever, and, and so you, you do well. But actually, when, when the economy crashes, there are possibly more opportunities. Um, they have certainly been that way in my life where you can buy distressed assets at much lower price than, than you could have done beforehand. Right, whether that's whether that's property, whether that's stocks, whether that's um, you know a competitor business, whatever, right? You know, hiring staff gets cheaper in a recession than it is. So, so it so for me, like there's opportunities always. It doesn't matter who's in government or what the economy is doing. And that's that scripture playing out. But because I'm committed to the Lord, because I delight in the Lord, because I trust in the Lord, because I meditate on the Lord, then I get to be part of an economy that will prosper regardless of what happens. So these things I'm going to run through with you, they're really good to do if there's not a recession. They're really good to do if there is a recession. They're just really good to do. Five quick things that you can do in your business right now to grow it. One, start selling more products so, or services, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever business that you're in. B2B, B2C, doesn't matter. You currently have a suite of products and services and you sell it to a specific database, demographic. Well, actually, one of the greatest things you can do is start adding more products. The ultimate model is when you can sell more products and services to the same database, right? So when you've got a database of people and you're marketing the core products and services to them, they already know, like, and trust you. Just go find other products and push them through to the same database. They're already buying them from somebody else. Just get them to buy from you because they trust you. Even if you can't find products that are complementary to yours to sell to the same database, find other products, find other databases, and just start selling more products and services. That's available to all of us all the time, okay? 
you know, and I was talking to people recently about this chip shortage and some businesses are really struggling to get supplies. I'm like, great, other products and services. You, you and I, as entrepreneurs, are in the business of monetizing products and services. And products and services come and go. So actually, we shouldn't be wedded to like, I absolutely love this one and I'm passionate about it. Like, that's awesome. But you could also find other products and services and just push them through and start selling them. And you can do that in, you know, in, in, in a worldly sense, in a good economy or a recession. It doesn't really matter. Second thing you can do real quick, drive up the average dollar sale. So if you were to look at the amount of transactions that you have in your business, you know, everybody has an average, right? So, so if I owned a news agent, a paper shop, a milk bar in America, right? You know, let's say there's 500 transactions in a day. You know, some people are spending $1, some people are spending $2.20, some people are spending 13 bucks, but there's an average in there. And the average could be that the average person spends $2.85, right? Whatever. Well, you've got to get that number up. So then you go, okay, you know, and for some of you, the average could be $10,000 a transaction. It doesn't matter what the number is. How do I get the average up? So one of the greatest things you can do is you can start to increase your prices in ancillary products. So if you've got core products and then other products, or you've got core services and other services, put the prices up on the other services and not the core services. That way you're still competitive, but you can make more margin. Or start bundling products together, right? Literally go like, when people buy this, they also buy this. You know, in a retail setting, you ask every single person that comes to the counter, would you like to buy one of these today as, a, as another product? And a portion of people will say yes, and that gets your average dollar sale up. So you've got to work out what your average is and then work out what can I upsell, what can I bundle, what can I put in with it to try and get that number to be a little bit higher. And don't be fooled by the fact that it's a little increase. Little hinges swing big doors, right? Maccas became profitable on do you want fries with that, right? It was the little bit on top that made them a lot of money. Hey, I'm not sure if you heard, but I've got an event coming up called the Kingdom Business Summit. We've been running these since 2012, all over Australia, been in the US and New Zealand, and there's one coming up real soon. And I invite you to grab your tickets, whether you attend in person in Brisbane, Australia, or on our live stream. It's two and a half days of the most practical Kingdom business training you could ever imagine. I'll be speaking through how to scale up your business. I've got Olympic medalists. I've got the father of the marketplace movement, Ed Silvoso dialing in. I've got a, a, a couple of local entrepreneurs who have built significant businesses. There's gonna be a time of networking and a time of fun. It's gonna be a phenomenal, life-changing event. To find out more, just go to kingdombusiness.global, kingdombusiness.global. It's the most preeminent event you could ever go to, the most practical event you could ever go to, and we're gonna have a whole bunch of fun. All right, grab your ticket soon. I look forward to seeing you at the event. Let's go back to this episode. The third thing that you can be doing right now is to increase the rate of return customers. So you may find as an average that the average customer shops with you once a year, let's say. Some of you might have a business where they shop with you every, every day. Some of you might have a, shop, a business where they, you know, customer shops with you every three years, whatever. Whatever the average is, get them to come back more often, which, which could mean selling them other products and services. Or it could actually be building some sort of loyalty program within your business that gets people to want to come back more often. So if the average person shops with you two times a year, how do you make that 2.2 times as an average or two and a half times or three times a year as an average, right? And you can do that by constantly marketing to them, asking them to come back and buy, putting other offers in front of them or building some sort of loyalty where they want to do more business with you. But get the repeat transactions to increase. The fourth thing is you, should, you can go and acquire another business. 
Now, now that could be a, a competitor. There's still people struggling right now. And I'm a huge fan of acquisitions as a strategy to grow business. And I love it because as a kingdom entrepreneur, you can often go to a competitor who's struggling and create the ultimate win-win, right? If they're completely over it, but they've got debts, but they, you know, but they can't just walk away because they need money, you can engineer a way where you get the business at a cheaper price, but you pay them a premium over time, which gives where you basically pay them out of their own business, right? And and then you end up building, you get you get more clients, more revenue instantly, and you get to pay them out, you know, at a, at a premium that you know somebody else would just come in and take advantage of them. Well, we can't do that. As kingdom entrepreneurs, we the Lord would never have you prosper and somebody else suffer. He would nobody can suffer at the expense of your prosperity. That's not the kingdom of God, right? So, so when it comes to buying businesses, you know, you could just jump online, find someone selling one, and and possibly put no money down. There's a ton of those no money down deals where you just agree to pay a slightly higher price for the business, but you pay it out over two, three years. Loads of them happening all the time. You can do them in a good or a bad economy. And then the last one, the fifth one I would say is to focus on your conversion rate. So let's say you've got, you know, however many people walking in your shop or visiting your online shop, or, you know, you get, you get to do 50 proposals a month, or, you know, you do up 10 quotes, whatever. However that looks for you and your business, focus on converting a higher rate of those. So you might have a conversion rate of 10% of all quotes or 20% or 80% or 50% or whatever your number is. You know, it, foot traffic, you know, it, it could be that 15% of the people that come in the store, you turn them into customers, right? That is a phenomenal area of business to focus on because, because a little bit of an increase on your conversion rate means a huge increase on the revenue of the business and profitability, obviously. So, you know, like if you were to get your foot traffic to have a conversion rate and you went from 15% to 16.5%, from 15% to 16.5%, all things being equal, you'd get 10% more revenue because you got 10% increase in conversion rate. You know, so, you know, if you're doing quotes, right, and you're currently converting three out of 10, make that four out of 10. And the way you do that is you'd be far more diligent in your follow-up and you'd be far more diligent in building value into your company. And you could do that with emails, you can do that with SMS, drip campaigns, phone calls. So instead of just doing what your industry normally does, which is you know get a quote, send it off, wait a week, call them, see how they go, don't do it that way, right? Even, even between taking the call and preparing the quote, send an email that says, here's what makes our company unique, right? Or, or, or a handwritten postcard or a, an SMS or something. And, and then, and then send the quote, but spend more time building value in why your company is important in the quote, and then ring them 24 hours afterwards and say, hey, I wanted to run through the quote with you, and then, and then send them another email that says, you know, here's four client testimonials on, on why we were able to do a good job. And like, you, you can focus in on your conversion rate and get it to be 10, 20% higher, and that just means that your business is better. And the reason why I run through those five is because they're really minute. We started off at 30,000 feet view of the economy and we've gone straight down to how do you get your conversion rate to be 10, 20% higher? Because that's how you make this practical. What I didn't want to do is I didn't want to add voices to the conversation around recession and economy without showing you actually what you do about it regardless of what happens. Otherwise, it's just another talking head going, will we or won't we and who knows? I wanted to go, okay, here's what you do regardless. Here's five things that you can work on regardless. Let me run through them again. So add more products and services to your business, whether you sell them to your current database or a new database. 
drive up the average dollar sale, so get your customers to spend a bit more per transaction, increase the return customers, so get them to come back, um, acquire another business so you can double your revenue or whatever, and then focus on your conversion rate to get more people to say yes. One, two, three, four, five. What I want you to do right now is I want you to decide which one of those should you work on first. Should you be working on your conversion rate? Should you acquire a business? Should you work on your increased return customers, your average dollar sale, or adding more products and services? One, two, three. I want you to put a one, two, three, four, five in the comments because I want to see what's popping. All right. Hopefully that's practical for you guys. There's opportunity everywhere. Opportunity absolutely everywhere. Right now there's opportunity. If we go back into a crazy increasing market, there's opportunity. If, we, if, the, if the economy falls over, there's a ton of opportunity. I just need you to be able to see it. And, and here's what I really wanted you to end up purposing in your heart, is that we live in a two-tiered system. And that economy that, we're, that is reported on the news by entertainers at six o'clock every night, that's not my economy. My economy is because I'm going to trade God's way, because I'm more focused on people than anybody else, because I delight in the Lord and trust in the Lord and I meditate on the Lord, I have a different economy. And that economy ensures me that no matter what the worldly economy does, I will prosper. And I've been doing business now 19 years, right? So, you know, like, actually it's a bit more than that. So over half of my life. And, and I can surely say to you, that the minute I became a believer in 2004, I have prospered every month, month in, month out. I started a business coaching practice nine months before the GFC and we exploded. When everybody else was suffering, we exploded. The Lord gave me new ideas, witty inventions, different way to do things. During COVID, we exploded, right? We, you know, we started COVID with a team of three and now we're, we're a team of 11. Like it, we're, so, so we're prospering in and out of season. And I say all of that as a testimony to say to you that when you view that the worldly economy is not your economy and you're part of a different economy, then the Lord will take you places that you never could have done by yourself. Don't forget to put in the comments for me which of those five is the first that you are going to work on. I'll engage. I see the comments. That's me writing back to you when you, when you put comments on our, on our, on our channel. Um, and do me a favor, tell your friends about this. I'm trying to put out content because I want to build up the kingdom of God. I want to advance the kingdom. I want to, I want to use my filthy rags, as Paul says, to do a little bit to advance the kingdom. And I need your help to do it by sharing it. All right. It's been great hanging out with you. Bless you. See you soon.